0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, oh, you know, I promise you're in the right place because you are. Our topic today, digital transformation, changing the game in the chemical industry. Some people call it chemicals familiarly, familiarly. Let's get started. The buzz today is vite, vite. Okay. Go back to French 101 or 102. That's faster, faster now quickly in French. Here's what we're talking about chemical industry leaders are facing new challenges as digital technologies transform our world. You know we're all going digital. We're all connected, we're all network. And that means innovation is being driven at a breathtaking rate. That's right. So addressing those of you in the chemical industry or people you know in the chemical industry, how will you integrate your acquisitions? Come on, companies are growing. You're gobbling up smaller opportunities. How will you integrate acquisitions fast and enough to reap the promised synergies of those acquisitions and onboard new revenue sources faster. It's got to be done quickly. You can't sit around and think about it too long. Do it well and do it fast. And what are you doing about reducing complexity and streamlining your workflows across your entire global value chain? couple of key words in there. Global, that's right. It's all global today. Not much local left. And value chain. Here's a reality check. Success in our digital era requires more than just doing the same old only better, faster, cheaper, and smarter. You can't just say, i oh, we'll do it a little differently tomorrow. This is a big change. It requires reimagining your entire business models and your processes, the very nature of the work you do. Are you ready? Well, you may not be now, but by the time we spend the next hour together, you're going to know a lot more, and you can figure it out. We have a panel of three experts. Two of whom have been on SAP Radio before me and one newcomer. Let's get started. First up, I'd like to introduce Bob Parker. He's a group vice president at IDC, responsible for the research direction at IDC Manufacturing Insights and Retail Insights. Bob has sent me a quote from Jean-Paul Sartre. Think back to your studies in French when you were in high school or college. Jean-Paul charles Amar Sartre lived from 1905 to 1980, a French philosopher, playwright, novelist, political activist, biographer, and literary critic, and one of the key figures in the philosophy of existentialism. Uh, Just a little side note, he had a very open relationship with feminist theorist Simone de Beauvoir, and together they challenged the cultural and social assumptions and expectations of the day. Just leave it there. Sartre did not accept the 1964 Nobel Prize in literature. He said he always declined official honors, and a writer should not allow himself to be turned into an institution what a guy here's the quote bob parker picked only the guy who isn't rowing has time to rock the boat bob parker long way around welcoming you have you been bob
2: i'm well bonnie thank you
0: thank you hope you didn't mind my little detour into the life and uh, times of jean paul sartre but i thought it was so interesting tell me are you a big follower of sartre and how did you pick the quote for today's topic
2: well, I'm uh, uh, an amateur philosopher, so obviously he's uh, among the um, among the giants. And I like the quote, although it's somewhat action-oriented for an existentialist, but um, <laughs> that, that aside, I, I, it goes back to what you were talking about. It's not simply doing what I'm already doing today a little bit faster, better. That's just rowing faster mm-hmm. to effectively change. You have to stop rowing, stand up, and figure out how to rock that boat.
0: Is the boat being rocked, Bob, to the chemical industry? Is is this a revelation, what I said in my opening? Is this something that we're going to have to go knock on their doors and say, hey, listen up, the times they are a changing, to quote Bob Dylan, another <laughs> philosopher of more recent times, and say, hello, business as usual, not so much, not anymore, get up and start rowing. Do you think this is something where they know about it or they're they're burying their head somewhere?
2: No, I think they do, though, and I think what's interesting is it's a board-level initiative, so you're hearing it in the statements from the CEOs. I think where we have to knock on the door and talk to people is to tell them, hey, your CEO is saying this. Um, You know, you have to stand up and rock your own boat uh, within this organization because um, it's a business strategy. It's not a technology trend.
0: Mm, That's Interesting. That's very interesting. Thank you for that revelation, and it is for a lot of people. Thank you, Bob, and welcome back. Very, very happy to have you back on the show. And now let's introduce our newcomer to Game Changers Radio. He's Michael Casey. He said I can call him – I think he said I can call him Mike. We're going to find out in a minute. He's a managing director in Accenture's North America Chemicals and Natural Resources Industry Group. And Michael Casey, let's stay formal here, has sent me a dual quote from the movie Back to the Future – Come on, you don't remember it? Well, here's a refresher. It was a 1985 fantasy sci-fi film, a classic, actually. Small-town California teen Marty McFly, a.k.a. Michael J. Fox, was thrown back into the 1950s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend, Doc Emmett Brown, played by the inimitable Christopher Lloyd goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean car, we all know what that is, Marty encounters younger versions of his parents and must make sure they fall in love again or he will cease to exist. Then he has to turn back and come back to his own time and save the life of Doc Brown. And the featured song of the movie was The Power of Love and the director was Robert Zemeckis. Here is the quote Michael Casey has selected for our show today. Marty McFly says, Hey Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88 and doc emmett brown responds roads where we're going we don't need roads michael casey how are you today
3: i'm great bonnie thank you very much
0: thank you for this what we love movie quotes i don't even know if you knew that but we love movie quotes so how does this relate to chemicals industry the digital transformation the digital era talk to me
3: well here's <clears throat> here's how it uh wh- why it resonated with me or po- popped to the front of my mind and i'm uh, I'm a big movie buff and i um if we work together i will uh i will i'll slip movie quotes in frequently in uh, just about every kind of setting because um I'm constantly seeing uh you know some of the humor and art uh, seen in 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 the seriousness of business in this case um it really presents sort of the paradigm of this technology shift this technology advancement and acceleration that we're seeing right now because um uh, you know, Mar- while we're talking about a time machine, nonetheless, something that even mm-hmm. to this day hasn't been invented, um, you know, Marty had his expectations about how that worked. Um, there was the, the the magic invention of the movie was the flux capacitor, uh, the thing that needed one point twenty one gigawatts and had to go eighty eight miles an hour, and that's how you traveled through time. And this quote comes from the very end of the movie when Dr. Brown comes back from the future. And uh, Marty says, "Okay well, let's get in the let's get in the machine, and we're going to go drive somewhere." And he says, "Well, it's all different now." He took that innovation and that invention of today, and he went somewhere and invented something. That couldn't possibly be conceived, couldn't possibly be considered or imagined, and that would be the next generation machine that doesn't even use roads. It doesn't. It flies, and it runs on garbage. I think, if I if I recall now, uh, so it was very eco-friendly. So if we think about that in today's terms, and and there's you know the, the buzzwords are cloud and digital, but underneath that there is real, tangible and available technology today that can power us to a place where. Uh, first of all, we can, we can significantly advance our operations, significantly advance our behaviors, and make those incremental changes, which, you know, which were mentioned. But then on the other side of that lies the opportunity to invent new business models, to invent new products, new services. And I think that that's what we're going to see. We're going to see this acceleration where invention um, is built upon you know, today's new introduction, and that's why I sort of saw it as an analogy. Um, the other thing that's common uh, these days, and, and certainly in the conversations we're having, is around all this new technology and these new business concepts and new challenges, is around the idea of a roadmap. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of discussion around, does, do you have a roadmap? A company needs a roadmap. Let's build a roadmap to tell us how to get there, how to navigate. And I thought it's an interesting juxtaposition because, you know, we're actually going to a place where there are no roads. Um, but we all do need to, we, we probably need a compass at least or a navigant to be able to figure out where we're going.
0: Thank you. Very eloquent, and I learned a lot from that. And thank you again. We have some regular guests on various of our 22 different Game changer series. May I call you Michael? You want to be Mike. Who do you want to be today, by the way?
3: Uh, Mike is just great. You can call me okay. Mike or Michael. I'm really thrilled you called me today, so <laughs> either is fine.
0: <laughs> oh, you are too kind. I like you. I like you even better already, and I liked you already before that. Uh, we have a, a sometime guest on our shows who actually sponsored her own series called uh, Game Changing HR Leaders. It was late, late last year, and she's a movie buff, Mike, and she loves to quote uh, "Oh, A League of Their Own," and "Alice in Wonderland," and "The Wizard of Oz," and uh, Kate. Leopold, you name it. She brought me quotes that were just fantastic and she spoiled me. So I'm very happy that you've quoted a movie and uh, welcome Michael Casey. I'll, I'll go back and forth between Mike and Michael. So just, you'll know it's you. There's nobody else named Mike on the show. So let me introduce our third panelist. It's Stefan Gertzgen. If you're looking him up, it's G U E R T Z G E N. He's a senior director for industry solution marketing chemicals at SAP. And Stefan, who uh, arranged this panel, and thank you, Stefan, is sending us a quote today from Albert Einstein. It's a quote that's bandied about in various iterations, but the the most real and authentic version I found is as follows. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination circles the world. A little trivia about Einstein. Uh, I don't know if, if everybody knows. He was born in Germany in 1879, but most interesting to me, he passed away in Princeton in New Jersey in nineteen fifty five, and of course we all know he developed the general theory of relativity and his work influenced the philosophy of science. I never thought I'd see philosophy and science in the same sentence, but apparently they go together. So again, imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. What a poetic thought. Stefan Gertzkin, welcome to the show. How are you, Stefan?
4: i good. Apart from a heavy cold I uh, brought with me last week from Houston, I'm, I'm doing okay. So hopefully hopefully, I'm coming across uh, well enough.
0: You sound fantastic to me. I'm a little echoey, but you, your voice sounds good. Stefan, are you a big fan and follower of Einstein? Talk to me. How did you get this quote to us today for this topic, please?
4: Well, I think it, it's all about imagination. Um, if we talk about um, the whole notion of judicial transformation, and uh, Albert Einstein, for me, is the master of of um, imagination, I mean basically what he did is he not only reimagined the world if you will one hundred years ago, he reimagined the perception of the whole universe, so that was a sens- sensational thing what he did and and for me, he is really the master in that regard and um, so and the point is. Um, if you look at today's digital transformation, um, obviously the chemical companies are a bit under pressure because the conventional business models are challenged. On the other hand, we see a lot of, of new technology um, entering the stage, but the question is, how can you uh, bring that together and um, and um, reimagine new business models, reimagine new business processes, or even the way how people work? And for me, that means you have to completely, as I did it at that time, you have to abandon or abandon conventional thinking and, and, and just go on a, on a journey, if you will, um, uh, because you don't know what you don't know, but if you don't get on that journey, you will never know what you don't know. So that means on the journey um, of imagination and, and analyzing what new business models or processes might, might really turn into success, um, you, you, you can anticipate what, what you will face but if you don't do it, uh, um, in the long run, you will be disrupted by your competitors. So that's, that's the bottom line. So um, you can also quote Confucius here, who said the, um, hmm. the, the journey is the reward. So that means if you don't go on that journey, you won't get the reward. So, um, and that's the reason why I picked, in particular, I, I picked Einstein. And he's, he's really great in, in that kind of imagination.
0: I like that. The journey is the reward. I'm going to quickly quote that down. Let me get this on Twitter. The journey is the reward. And that was Confucius? Confucius. I think
4: he said that.
0: Well, we've, we've got a lot of good quotes here. Thank you very much, Stefan, and welcome. And you sound fine. I hope you're feeling better. Let me circle back to Bob Parker. Bob, in addition to asking you what's in your cup today or what you're drinking after the show, because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers, I'd love to know where you're calling us from today. Bob Parker? Bob Parker?
2: I'm calling from the uh, Boston area, just in the western suburbs.
0: And what are you drinking?
2: Oh, I'm drinking terrible office coffee, but last night I did have a <laughs> uh, very nice Bordeaux at, uh, at a client dinner, so I will, I will go with that.
0: <laughs> uh, and what was anything very special about this Bordeaux? Do you have a label or a vintage you'd like to share with us?
2: I did not make the selection the dinner host did, but um it was it was quite nice and had uh, some venison with it that you don't often get to select and it was very very good uh
0: venison what does that taste like uh i I
2: won't say chicken uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> It has, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a gamey taste, but it's quite, quite flavorful, flavorful if it's uh, prepared properly, and this restaurant did a particularly good job.
0: Okay. Well, happy to hear that. Thank you very much and, and welcome, and I'm glad you had something good to eat with, with the good wine. Let's turn oh, to Michael you. Casey. Michael, I know we have called you at a hotel somewhere. Where are you today, and anything special in your cup or something you're planning to celebrate with after the show?
3: Oh, sure. Um, So, I am uh, joining you from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale area, Um, sunny day here in in, uh, north of Miami, at a uh, conference, Accenture's SAP conference, where we have gathered um, about 200 of our uh, best clients and a a number of our SAP partners together to talk about these exact topics, um, how to disrupt our industries, how to take these new technology innovations and really create some new value. Um, Speaking of innovation, I thought, you know, what I should have in my cup should be you know, metaphorical to some degree, so this may be a stretch, but bear with me. <laughs> it's a, uh, a reserve Sumatra from Starbucks, and it was made with this machine called the Clover Machine, which if you haven't seen, I would suggest you ask about it, the yes. next Starbucks that you uh, visit. They're, they're not everywhere, but they're, they're more and more popping up. And um, you'd think that you couldn't really create a new cup of coffee that tastes much different than the last one. Uh, but in this case, someone has merged together what appears to be a, a traditional French press, Perhaps a Terminator machine, um, and some kind of robotic programmed computer, and this thing puts out um, what is truly uh, an incredibly smooth, absolutely no bitterness, uh, cup of coffee. So I used to be a big cream and sugar guy, and I drink this straight and black because it's so um, elegant. I guess is the word I would use. If that's not too much of a stretch,
0: I don't think it's a stretch. And I think that's again,
3: even even in coffee, uh, new technology is uh, is really changing the game.
0: Michael, tell me something. Do you put anything in it, or is this just just straight, just straight?
3: I drink it straight because um, it's it's so smooth that uh, I don't want to even pollute it with milk or uh, or anything else.
0: So that's a reserve Sumatra from the Clover. We do have a Clover machine here. I'm in Great Neck on Long Island, New York. You may be familiar Mm -hmm. with uh, my location on the north shore of Long Island. And Starbucks moved from a very charming little storefront on the main strip in the middle of Great Neck Plaza where they had a backyard. You could go out and drink your coffee under the tree, sit on a picnic bench or a chair with a little balcony overlooking, oh, just a treed area between parking lot structures, but very charming and very secluded. And they moved to a much busier shopping center which is much more i don't know you know more efficient and more space but all the charm is gone but i went there recently and somebody pointed out that's the clover machine and they do one cup at a time it's very very custom so thank you for reminding me i am to have to go back and ask them for that reserve sumatra it sounds wonderful they've got about they-
3: five or six different reserve uh beans that you can have them run through it so it's uh there's a lot of opportunity there a lot of Be
0: still my heart. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to our friend in Germany, Stefan Gertzgen at SAP. Stefan, what time of day is it? Where exactly are you and what are you drinking now or after the show?
4: Well, we got 4.15 p.m. here. I'm based in Germany, close to the area of Düsseldorf. And as opposed to Bob, I have a nice uh, cup of cappuccino in front of me. So, and... um, there are a couple of reasons for that. So, first of all, I like the taste very much. So, I'm, I'm a fan of cappuccino. Secondly, I'm a fan of the Italian lifestyle. I mean, I enjoy um, being in the southern parts of Europe, enjoying the nice weather. And also, the people are much more relaxed than, than in Germany. That's what I typically love. But there's also a nice side effect of, of coffee as such or, or cappuccino. I mean, it contains caffeine. And that is known to, uh, so to say, stimulate your uh, cerebral cortex, and um, and that helps you to digest the flood of information exponentially increasing information what what you're exposed to on a daily basis so keep the brain fresh and have a good taste both in common and so that that's basically um my secret behind enjoying the cappuccino
0: thank you very much and i bet it's going to help you you have a sore throat or a cold or what's what's the ailment today anything in particular
4: well, in particular, it's a combination of a of a, a cold in my in my head and and a, and a, and a cough. So hopefully, I don't start coughing during the call. So hope for the best. Sound but then I don't just,
0: that. I you sound just you sound just fine. No, don't go on mute. We want to hear the the real the real un, un, uh, unmuted Stefan. Thank you so much. Oh, We're talking today included. unplugged. Oh, well. Hey, thanks for bringing together such a great panel, Stefan. Our topic today is digital transformation, changing the game in the chemicals industry. My panelists today are Bob Parker at IDC, Michael, a.k.a. Mike Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, if you're looking for him at Accenture, and Stefan Gertzkin at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, drinking my usual cup of cool, clear, Brita-filtered water in a clear mug, and I've got a kind of a pinky-orange straw today. Um, let me see. What would the Orange stand for? I have no idea. It's a little gray here. I'm hoping we get some a beautiful sunset. That's what it'll be for. It's for the sunset I'm hoping for later tonight here in New York. So we're going to go out and take a quick break, just about 30 seconds. And when we come back, Bob Parker and I are going to start the roundtable in earnest, even though we really have already been talking a lot about our topic. Here's the reality check again for those of you in the chemicals industry. Success in our digital industry requires more than just doing the same old, same old, only... Better, faster, cheaper, smarter. It takes a lot more, and you have a lot to learn, so let us help you out. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. Welcome back. We're going to kick off the roundtable with Robert E. Parker at IDC. I'm looking at Bob's notes and let's see what we've got here, Bob. You say, you asked the question, how mature is the chemicals industry in terms of digital transformation? I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but let me read two sentences from your research and I'll have you expand it because this is good information. You say IDC research includes a maturity model that is multi-tiered with over 100 elements. Our database includes over 1,000 companies across all industry segments. Bob, talk to us. Digital transformation, chemicals maturity. What's happening?
2: Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. The 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 primary research that we've conducted shows that overall across all industries, about sixty-four uh, percent, exactly sixty-four percent actually are at stage two or stage three. Um, so it's still very early stage, but it's also indicative in that it's of a of, uh, m- uh, market that's about to really accelerate because it's mature enough that there's um, a momentum, but not mature enough that uh, we, it's run its course. And when we look at the chemical industries in the database, They're slightly less mature than the overall sample, but because it's a multi-tiered model, if you look at one dimension of maturity, say operating model transformation, they're a little bit ahead. So where the industry is, is more mature in some dimensions, less mature in others, Uh, And what we see is the next key step is to get that more um, in sync and moving all the dimensions of maturity together. And as I said in the opening comments, the recognition at the highest levels of the organization is, is there. Um, you know, for a long time, chemical companies have emphasized that, you know, we're a science company, uh, we're a materials company, we don't call us a chemicals company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what it's really coming around to is they're becoming technology companies, and you 're seeing that from the CEO quotes we 're no longer a chemical company we 're a technology company in the chemicals business, and that closely ties to um, closely ties to science, and it closely uh, ties to what The Economist has just recently called the golden age of materials so there's a, a, a lot of strategic motivation for digital transformation. And enough maturity that you're going to see this catapult and really move forward quickly uh, this year and next, in my opinion. At least that's what the research indicates.
0: Thank you very much i'm going to ask you something before we move on and bring in Mike Casey and Stefan Gertzkin into this conversation. Bob, when we talk about chemicals that we're just saying okay, you're a company in the chemicals industry. What does that encompass what What do we consider chemicals to be today? I probably should have asked this in the very opening of the show, but it's a big word it I think it covers a lot. What exactly is a chemicals company? What does that field include? Well, you know,
2: there's there, there's several tiers in the traditional way to look at the chemical industry. There's there's bulk chemicals. Um, so these are you know things like uh, say chlorine or or anything that's produced and is sold in a, on a commodity based price. Um, that's those are volume markets and um, uh, low margin but high volume markets. And the digital transformation emphasis is really more on streamlining, more self-service. Where a lot of the action is is in the specialty chemical uh, side, where I'm now tailoring um, chemicals to certain applications, whether it be paint and coatings or um, uh, things that go in for like bulletproof vests or uh, cookware. Mm. Um, and and there's a, a third tier developing around what I've heard some in the industry refer to as the versatile molecule. So um, can I create, uh, can I map the genome uh, now that the technology, so that similar uh, metaphor of mapping the genome where I can now apply at a molecular level into applications that have very specific purposes for very specific customers this is kind of funny. One executive told me in the chemical industry that it's like going from being a rock musician to a jazz musician. And I went, oh, I don't know what that means. What do you mean? He goes, well, a rock musician <laughs> plays three chords for 3,000 or more people, but a jazz musician plays 3,000 chords for three or fewer people. Um, and that's where a lot of the chemical market is going uh, Uh, And that's really the the essence of the digital transformation is to help me jam, help me be a jazz musician.
0: Wow, that's poetic. Thank you very much. I'm glad I asked. I love the description. Michael Casey at Accenture. Talk to me about what Bob just introduced, please.
3: Well, first, I absolutely love that reference, and I Mm -hmm. I will borrow it, um, because I do think it it, it certainly perfectly highlights the – you know, both the, the creativity side of it, of, you know, new invention, There's there's been arguably not a lot of invention and innovation in chemicals in the past, you know, recent, um, you know, a lot of amalgamation of, of materials and products, but not necessarily um, the new, you know, Bobby as you mentioned, the new Kevlar, the new, some of those uh, Teflons, those things, Um So that is certainly something we see. Back to the earlier question around how mature are are, uh, the companies in this area, I think, you know, as we've heard, the CEO is certainly thinking about this and and looking at where they need to be. I think we see a lot more folks, um, you know, in the middle levels are in the conversation. But there's a, a wide diversity amongst that, you know, participation in the conversation from I know I need to step in here. I know we need to take advantage of some of these things, um, and I just need to know how what 's the best way to do it? Um, how do we find funding for new initiatives how do we How do we get off of uh, square one and then there's other other folks who come at it from a different angle saying i 'm not sure it 's for me and my business. Um, it sounds like something for some of those other more technology focused businesses you know where we are in should be and will continue to be very focused on safety and on quality mm-hmm. and certainty, which are, you know, antithetical to um, uh, being agile and, uh, and dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's folks along the spectrum who everyone knows about it and wants to talk about it to some degree, but are in different, you know, come in it with different postures. And I think um, and I think we'll see the industry move at different paces. There'll be those who do move faster and those who who move slower. Um, the question will be, um, you know, will those who move slower be disrupted? Right. Will there be, you know, the Ubers, the, we've used Uber so much as the example that we need a new one, um, but will there mm-hmm. be an Uber situation for a chemicals company? Um, and that's, that's really, um, you know, top of mind and part of the discussion around, you know, what are those new business models that might be coming that if we, who are the, you know, preeminent in the industry, don't identify, don't develop in advance, you know, someone else is going to do it for us uh, and around it to us. Um, so that, that's, uh, we're certainly seeing consistent
0: things. Thank you very much. Let's get Stefan Gertzkin in on this conversation. Stefan, a lot of thoughts here on the table from Bob Parker and Mike Casey. What are you thinking
4: well in 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 general i I see um or I would classify the uh, the chemical industry into into three strategic models, if you will so the um the first one is is basically more the commodity um uh, centric um companies which basically focus on 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 being close to raw materials close to feedstock that is one strategic model but that model is challenged because you you have the the share gap in the US you have uh, china driving um, coal to chemicals heavily so all that is changing the game so being close to commodities and sorry being close to feedstock is no longer a long and competitive advantage so the commodity players need to rethink or re their model. Then, on the other hand, you see um, a strategic model mostly driven by the specialty chemical companies, and that is move close to customers. But now, I mean, the whole customer base is is um, is moving moving east. That's one thing. Uh, the second thing, it's eroding. So lo- loyalty is, is heavily eroding, as new competitors are uh, springing up like mushrooms. So... Um, so that is also no longer, let's say, a strategy model which just should stay forever. That's challenged as well. And then the third model is, is basically companies focus on technology and know-how, but that is more and more commoditized because um, I think Bob mentioned that there's no no longer the uh, the capability to produce blockbusters every month or whatsoever. So um, so what that means is. Um, all those companies have to challenge the current business models and have to think, uh, do they move upstream, downstream, or move, do they move even into into other industry domains? And what we see emerging here is, is, um, um, for example, things like business or outcome-driven business models. So that means, for example, look at a company like Asian Paints. Um, they, in the past, sold just paint and coatings selling products. That was their success model, but now they moved downstream the value chain more into the retail business um, and collaborated with uh, 10,000 of retailers. And now, instead of selling paint and coatings, they sell uh, uh, color as a, as a personalized experience to the end consumer. So that is one example. The other example is is, is also, um, uh, let's say, again, paint and coating. Instead of selling paint and coatings, you can uh, you can sell, uh, for example, um, first-pass quality uh, parts to uh, automotive aerospace and defense companies. So, so I mean, it's, it's another outcome-based model. Look at companies like Monsanto. They um, no longer sell seeds and, and, and agrochemicals. They sell increased yields to farmers based on, um, on um, proprietary recipes, what they develop for them, uh, based on understanding um, uh, the parameters of their fields and, and having, um, let's say, cloud-based analytical engines behind that. So that's that's just one example, and there are others what you can imagine.
0: Thank you, Stefan. Thanks for the examples. I saw those in your notes, and I'm glad you wove those into the conversation now. And I'm going to uh, move back to Bob Parker. Bob, any thoughts on what Michael and Stefan have added to your topic?
2: Yeah, no, I think Stefan's examples were were great. Another one that... um, even in the specialty side there's opportunity for transformation there's a chlorine company uh chemical company that produces chlorine, which is a very commoditized product, right? You can look up online what the current price is, and what they've done is, uh, with their biggest customers who happen to be water parks and hotels, is they've actually put sensors in the pools with automatic dispensing machines, so they're actually able mm-hmm. to monitor the pool quality on behalf of the customers and dispense chemicals. And the, the real business benefit is they're no longer just trading on price. They have customer lock-in, and to Stefan's point, they're delivering pool quality. They're not delivering chlorine anymore. So we're seeing sometimes the um, the popular perception of the industry is that, oh, you know, all they're doing is producing these harsh things that are a necessary evil, uh, and they're not innovative. But... In fact, as you look into the industry and see what some of these companies are doing, I'm often uh, very pleasantly surprised at, uh, at how well they're adapting to
0: these new realities. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Good start to our topic, Bob. And Mike Casey, I'm looking at your notes here and I think it's time we talk about, we look above and we talk about the cloud. Uh, you say everything can move in fast forward via the cloud, the availability of the latest and you quote the latest. That intrigued me. The latest computing power at scale and with favorable economic terms provides unprecedented opportunities for companies. And this includes the chemical industry. Michael, talk to me. Tell me more.
3: Well, that, that's part of that comment around you know we're not being we're not going to be bound by the physical um, dimensions of the roads we drive today, and that's the um, the accelerated investment and uh, advancement and build out of the cloud technology. So, cloud's a, an overused word and used very generically, but I'm referring first and foremost to the public cloud providers: Microsoft, Amazon, Google, um, the um, in physical infrastructure that they virtualize and and, uh, and present to us as customers. Um, more towards an outcome base, as stefan was talking about um and 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 that's that's what we as customers have available to us today and in an increasingly an accelerated fashion going forward um so rather than us have to deal with um purchasing cycles refresh cycles capitalization of these assets um planning and forecasting what my consumption might need to be and then putting iron on the floor putting storage on the floor um finding a floor, you know, the real estate options, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff, we can simply, with a, a gigantic Internet connection um, or a direct line, connect into these, these utility providers. Um, and so on the one hand, you have the economic favorability that the price will continue to decrease as they continue to invest and compete with each other. But on the other side of it, um, that's probably more interesting and, and will be more um, relevant to the, the, the concepts we talked around, around accelerating our business and innovating our business model, is... The latest and greatest, and I did put it in quotes because it can mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. of whether it be um, security strategies, um, you know active or passive security defenses, the latest in terms of computing power, um, the latest in those in, in terms of um, green data centers, you know energy efficient data centers and environmentally friendly data centers. All of those topics which are of value, both you know to society, value to the business, value to the economy. Um, these companies are investing in and advancing at an incredible rate that no other real in company by itself could afford to do, um, and nor, nor is it their core competence. So you're able to um, to tap into, really, the, the best and latest trend uh, in the technology space, but do it in a very, you know, in a, con- in a consumption format or in an outcome-based format. And I think that um, – and I think it was mentioned around uh, – Stefan mentioned around the feedstocks. We heard last week at the conference that Steph and I were both in in, in Houston – Around the capital investment, around uh, around shale gas, and then the you know the, the intermediaries and the inputs and the feedstock providers. And if you think about the capital that the large cloud providers are putting in um, on be, you know which is available then for all of the customers to participate in, and then the capital investment that's happening for feedstocks. What a great place to be as a chemical company in the next decade, right? When these two things come together. Um, again, that's where you know we'll, we'll be. So far, in the, it, what what will be possible is is probably unimaginable today. But these are two you know two vectors on a collision course where, as an innovator in the chemical industry, in any of these companies that we're talking about, you'll be able to develop those new business models. Like you know, think think about it. I think it's a great example, Bob. And I know there's a few others in the sanitation, uh, uh, you know, soap and products where they're they're delivering clean bathrooms. Right? Um, you couldn't have imagined that business model prior. Um, because you you just didn't have the connectivity, you didn't have the advanced capabilities at the price point that would make it affordable or achievable. You know you could have possibly delivered that and developed it, but it would have been more of a, a moonshot project for a given company. But now today the prices has come down, the, advent- the capabilities have advanced to a point where it's within the reach of a lot of these companies. They can now leverage their innovation. Their history, their intelligence or engineering, and, and their customer base, right? Their, their, their ecosystem that they work, work in to, um, to develop these new models. So that's, that's really where I see um, and an interesting parallel again, where there's, there's an incredible advancement coming in the chemical, you know, the, the general chemical business, but at the same time, computing power is advancing. Um, and when those things
0: come together, I think we're really going to see something neat. Thank you, Mike. Very interesting. I have a feeling you already launched us into our crystal ball predictions round. I I tweeted what you said and I love that forward-looking statement. It was a big one. Uh, let's talk to Stefan Gertzgen at SAP. Stefan, thoughts on what Mike just introduced for us, please?
4: Well, what, what what I can say? I mean, I I fully agree with everything what what Mike said. I mean, um, coming together or leveraging the advantage of of cloud technology and 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 share gas is is something what what um, basically is is really pretty for chemicals as for no other other industry. So um, and um, I mean, uh, besides the cloud, I mean, what what we basically see is um, we. Uh, if we talk about digital transformation in chemicals, we see three elements, um, which basically um, can be summarized as unprecedented levels of connectivity, granularity, and speed. That all comes together as, as a, let's call it, a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And um, so it it really provides these opportunities. And there's all the technology. I mean, it's driven by supercomputing. It's driven by the cloud it's it's driven by by um, hyperconnectivity, so all these elements come together. I think Bob would probably say it's the third platform elements which which come together. But um, in 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 these unprecedented levels of of granularity, speed, and connectivity, which has never been there before, you can you can connect to almost every network. What what you will, you can leverage all the networks. You can um, there is no no costs which which prevent you from doing that in the past. Building interfaces and all these kinds of things you can drill down to, to the lowest levels of granularity. You can analyze uh, customer product data on the fly. You don't are, uh, you're not constrained to, let's say, the, the, the pre-configured info cubes and, and the, the pre-aggregations which you find there, you no know, data duplication, all these kinds of things. So that not only um, enhances granularity, but also speed to, to do data analysis on the fly. And coming back to that service model and the cloud, you could even imagine, let's say, um, as, a, as, a, as a cloud provider, offering uh, data processing services um, spiced up with certain algorithms or whatsoever, and, and that could help you to uh, to, to box point earlier. I mean, reinvent, for example, in the area of nanotechnology, just reinvent new, um, um, let's say, um, composites or whatever with completely new features, leveraging genome-like uh, approaches, and that all with big data uh, and, and as a service, if you've had these algorithms and the big data capabilities in the pa- in, in, in the background running in a safe environment, that's, of course, important, then as a company you can leverage that, and as a cloud provider, you that could be a, a business model offering that as a service. So a lot of capabilities coming together there, um, just leveraging all these, these elements, I mean, be it cloud hyperconnectivity, be it, be it enhanced speed to do real-time analysis, simulations on the fly, Um, which, of course, also has a strong impact on customer service and responsiveness. So a lot of things going on, right?
0: Thank you very much. I want to circle back to Bob Parker at IDC. Bob, thoughts on what Michael and Stefan have shared with us? Please.
2: Yeah, I think this notion of granularity, connectivity, and speed, and to Mike's point, at scale uh, is really important. I think the one thing I would add is, the opportunities to better include the whole ecosystem within the value chain um, through mechanisms like industry clouds. So, uh, as you might imagine, chemical companies run very common pieces of equipment uh, in their plants. So, think about an ability to share data about your assets and be able to look at how well your asset performs uh, benchmarks against the whole industry and what maintenance practices might have a better impact on asset availability. Um, and then I think the other part of the industry cloud is, is it becomes... A channel to market. So this isn't just technology that automate my processes and help me keep score better. These, this is technology that is a channel to market for me, uh, and and so I, that's what I would add to those comments. But I, obviously, I think this notion of um, speed, granularity, and connectivity at scale is is uh, the kind of the essential ingredient. That allows uh, chemical companies to um, do the digital transformation that they need to do.
0: Thank you very much. And I'm going to circle back to Mike Casey. Any thoughts on what your co panelists shared on your topic, Mike?
3: Um, I I think it's, um, you know, these topics all all string together hand in hand, and and Bob, you know, really brought to the next dimension to it around the ecosystem. Um, As more and more of the companies, the providers, and their customers, um, move into the space, develop that granularity of business. Move to the technologies that were described. Um, we didn't mention in memory, but because it's it's not right there in cloud, but that's another big, big, big part of you know putting the in memory engines underneath and at the core of these um, of these businesses allows for that speed and that granularity at the same time. You can have speed and you can have granularity, but within memory, you can have them both uh, in a connected way. So I think that's a, a key enabler, and then the ecosystem. Um, strategy really i think uh i think it's don mahoney's quote that says we need to move from strategic competitive advantage to strategic collaborative advantage and the mindset Mm -hmm. from the c-level on down to how do we look at um certainly our customers but also even potentially some of our competitors and look at ways to work together um it can also you know present those opportunities to develop these new business models so um 100 agree and it's it's a um the conversation just keeps you know as we see these enablers go from one to the next there's um uh, you know, it's very, very fertile, very furtive conversation.
0: Thank you very much. And let me circle over, let me move around the virtual table here, our, our round table, to Stefan Gertzgen in Germany. And Stefan, I'm looking at your notes. We have just a couple of minutes left before we effectively and really and actually move into our crystal ball predictions round uh, crystals that might be something the chemicals are interested in I have some interesting other examples Stefan you mentioned Asian paints regard to companies in the chemicals industry taking first steps in adopting new business models and I'd like you to if you don't mind talk about a couple of other companies you sent me examples from Monsanto from uh, looks like Kaiser Compressor and I don't know if you mentioned that one and ENBW can you give Give us a couple examples so people can latch on to these and say, aha, that's how it works. Stefan?
4: Yeah, I, I can do that. I talked about Monsanto. I talked about aging paints. And um, um compressors. I mean, um, what, what they traditionally did, they, they sold compressors. But uh, um, in, uh, basically in line with that earlier mentioned outcome-based model, they started to sell compressed air. So, so basically, it's no longer using compressor. They understand how the compressors work at their customer site, and they make sure that they deliver compressed air and not are there as compressors, which are then with all the, 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 the risks and, and, and all the, um, the, the, the implications uh, running such a thing on site is at the customer. So they basically take over the risk So um, for their customers and, and selling compressed air as a service. So that's another example. ENBW, I mean, they, they are selling basically, um, it's, it's a large energy supply, one of the largest energy supply companies in Germany and Europe, and they provide energy to municipalities without owning even the power grid. So um, another example of outcome-based business model Uh, One thing I want to share, I mean, it's not only outcome-based business model, and that comes back to the earlier discussion what we had. There are also new business models, what we see around uh, orchestrating, and that comes back to the ecosystem, Um, orchestrating um, or becoming an orchestrator. For example, let's take a company like Muntajat in the Middle East, in Qatar. They are selling, uh, I think, 10 million tons of chemicals to 120 countries uh, per year, without owning um, production asset or without owning own production. So basically they orchestrate um, the whole business, pulling together on demand what they need in terms of manufacturing capacities and whatsoever, and then sell, understanding what the customers need. So that's another business model. I mean, orchestrating on demand production, logistics, uh, uh, research and development, research institute, whatever you need, and um, um, just focused on what the market and what the customers need, orchestrating on demand, having an agile network, what you can take advantage of, and connect the dots as needed. So that's Step. just a few other example there, context.
0: Thank you, Stefan. I have a question for you. Uh, I think at the beginning I asked you and Bob and Mike, is this what we're talking about today, a revelation for the chemicals industry, for the leaders, for the companies that want to progress and move into the digital transformation era and do it well and survive and thrive and all that good stuff? what part of leadership of these companies, Stefan, have you observed in your work in the industry where the aha moment comes, the eureka, where, for example, a, a Kaiser compressor says, we're not just going to sell compressors anymore. Ah, air, it's a service. Wow, aha. Where Asian paint says, we're not just selling paint and coatings, we're selling color. That's what the customer wants. It's an experience. It's a new outcome. Was it? Is this something that happens overnight? One night, the the leader, the CEO, the CFO wakes up and says, "Oh my goodness, we've been doing it wrong all these years, or at least in the past ten years. We have to reconfigure our business model." When does it come to them? Because it sounds very creative to me. Stefan, any quick thoughts? Where we're effectively in our predictions, but I really want to hear this. Right. What do you observe?
4: Well, I mean, it, it it doesn't come overnight. I mean, that that's for sure. Um, it's as I mentioned earlier, it's it, it's basically a journey. I mean, what what uh, chemical companies should do is uh, primarily stepping. I mean, just abandon from from current thinking, conventional models, and try to step into the shoes of of their customers, understand what their customers are doing with their products, and then see, for example, let's say, kettle compressors, see what what Im, I mean, what what impacts of temperature. Uh, um, viscosity or any parameters uh, do have on, on on certain processes or products, what they use in certain systems. Understand how customers uh, are using their products and then try to uh, basically um, start with, with looking at, at the possibility to do simple benchmarking. I mean, looking at customers offering some benchmarking services um, and then in the next step, even think about carving Uh, out a certain portion of what the customer is doing today, uh, which may not be his core competency, carve that out and offering that to the customer as a service and turn that into your core competency as your own new service. And then we are back to this outcome business model. So, it's again, it's a journey, and it requires really uh, thinking um, beyond the current value chain, if you will. So really step into customers or customers' customers' shoes and, and um, develop new ideas, digest new ideas, and try to turn them into business opportunity. Because if you don't do that, then um, you may be disrupted rather than becoming a disruptor. Because then you understand it, somebody else is doing it, and that's, that's really bad.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And now quickly, Bob Parker at IDC. Let's see. I've got four minutes left. Whoa, I can give you just shy of 60 seconds for predictions, Bob. You know by now I love the year 2020. It just sounds so cool. But how far in the future can you predict what will be different about this journey, this transformation, this digitization, or some people say digitalization, and new business models for the chemicals industry? Bob Parker, let's say 45 seconds, predictions, go.
2: (laughs) So here's the chemical future. Um, instead of developing compounds that have certain properties and we search for applications, the value chain is going to start with the customer saying, I need these properties and having it go back through. So you're going to have an industry that is very um, siloed to one that, where the traditional industry boundaries are permeable and uh, very, very collaborative.
0: Wow, you did it! My goodness, you left me sitting here saying, what's it, "What else is he going to say?" Thank you, Bob. You've been on the show before, and you know how it works. I appreciate that, Mike Casey. Predictions—I can give you. Oh, I can give you sixty seconds because Mr. Parker was so efficient. Go ahead, Michael.
3: Well, uh, I'll first start by saying, you know, I concur with with uh, my colleagues and in, in their statements. And, and the one topic we really didn't get to, which is happening today, and I think we're going to continue to see it happen, is around uh, ventures and acquisitions. Uh, vestitures. So, um, you know, one of the ways to to advance, um, to change how you behave, is to is to buy the person who already is thinking that way, or who has mm-hmm. the other side of the equation. I think we're going to continue to see that as, at the same time, some of those activities are fueled by divestiture of non-strategic businesses. And there's a whole other conversation, much greater than the 60 seconds or even another 60 minutes, around how this digital transformation and enablement is is able to accelerate the ventures and acquisition space and to change the deal economics by, you know, something that would take possibly two or three years to integrate. If that can be done in a year, if that can be done in six months, it changes the um, the whole deal structure, the whole paradigm. So I think we're going to continue to see a lot of um, strategic investments, strategic um, business events or transactions that um, that are all part of this theme of advancement.
0: Thank you very much, Stefan Gertzkin. I save 45 seconds for you. Predictions, go.
3: Okay, so,
4: yeah, what I see definitely in the future is much more Service-oriented, service-driven business models, as well as those models what I just described along orchestration of businesses, and also the supply chain um, um, limits or boundaries will be more blurred. I mean, what well, today is a chemical company may no longer be a chemical company tomorrow, and vice versa. So some people may back integrate or forward integrate into their customers' value chain. So that that's basically my prediction.
0: Thank you very much, and you did it too. Very appreciated. I want to do a shout-out to, we had a lot of tweets here from SAP, the number four the word chemicals, SAP for chemicals, and I think SAP Industries as well, and I've been tweeting my tootsies off here for the past hour, so go take a look at hashtag SAP radio and see some of the words of wisdom we captured from our panelists. Thank you so much, Bob Parker at IDC. Thank you, Michael Casey at Accenture. Thank you, Stefan Gertzkin at SAP. I'm going to email the three of you and invite you to do part too, because yes, Michael, we did not cover M&A, and maybe that's a hot topic for chemicals. So let's see if we can get together in May or June on Coffee Break if you're interested. I think that would be a good idea. And uh, all to all of you, thank you for your insights, for your energy, for your great preparation, and for your camaraderie on the show today. Shout out to Justin, our engineer at the Business Channel, and here's my call to action. I say to all of you, oh, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign Radio. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.